TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damien Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to The Wellness Guys. I'm Dr. Lawrence Tam. I'm Dr. Damien Kristoff. And I'm Dr. Brett Hill. And this is The Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicating bringing wellness into our lives. And today's episode is brought to you by the Wellness Summit, the one day that's going to change your lives. Guys, I'm really excited about this one day summit because it's, it's, oh, it's going to be amazing with all it's the together. speaker. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be mm. fantastic. So really, if you guys want to come and join us and join the rest of the crew from the Wellness Couch, uh, go to www.thewellnesssummit.com and choose the tickets that you know suits your needs. And it's going to be on March the 3rd in, uh, in GoCo. So come join us. Now, today's episode is interesting because we got a, a couple of fan requests for this episode. And since Damien, who just came back from the States, and uh, mm-hmm. you, you, know, you, you would have seen this over there. And you see it everywhere. It's just not in the States. It's actually in Australia as well. Every time I go and on New Zealand. holidays. It's and the UK. <laughs> it's kind of the world, isn't it, unfortunately? Yeah. It's global obesity. Yeah. It's, it's childhood obesity. and global obesity. Uh, it's really important that we talk about this because it, the trend is moving up and it doesn't look like it's going to stop. So we're asking people to start, really listen to this episode and really start spreading the message about the information that we're going to talk about because I think this is the only way, I, th- I believe anyway, it's the only way to really create, or one of the major ways to really create change is by through the people and people like you who, who are fans of the show um, because the government's not going to do it. Yeah. So we're going to talk about why that is. So let's start with you, Damien. Um, what do you think one of the top reasons why we're experiencing this epidemic at the moment in the world ah uh, the whole globesity children obesity thing is massive lt and Brito. and look we see it we see it all the time i've just come back from the u.s and look i had a ripper time in the u.s i love that place what a great place to be mm-hmm. but i'll tell you what it really opens your eyes to the way some people actually live you know it's very very inexpensive to buy sugar over there and a lot of people eat sugar um, as a result of that because it's so cheap um, and then there's just extremes of poverty. You just think, oh my gosh, look at these people just, you know, surviving on not much, just cigarettes. And you think, jeepers, the, the place is in a, in a big mess, needs a bit of a shake-up. But it's kind of epidemic throughout the whole of the world. Where it starts, I think, is in utero. I think it actually starts when children, babies, infants, fetuses are growing inside the mother's tummy. And mm. uh, this may be a little bit confronting for some people because they might start to recognize that maybe their behaviors that they took on or that they did during pregnancy may have affected their child. But this isn't a punishment or a finger pointing session or a blame session. This is just um, a a conversation that's going to have you thinking about, oh my gosh, was I part of this problem? And now how do I become part of the solution? How do I fix this up? So what we do know, and when we interviewed Margie Smith, is that there's certain genes that can be turned on and certain genes that can be turned off and certain genes that just are. They just exist and they just do what they do. They're designed to do it. Some of the genes are for obesity. In fact, you know, if we just talk about two in particular, PPAR gamma, which is also linked to type 2 diabetes, and the FABP gene, which is um, a gene that's directly related to obesity. And there's another one called the FATSO gene. Those three genes in particular can be turned on or turned off based on the environment and the lifestyle. And what we know is that some people, because or some women, uh, when they're pregnant, some expected mothers, um, crave a lot of foods uh, and they interpret those foods as being highly processed, highly manufactured, super-duper high-sugar products, and they eat too much of those foods or 
you know, have a diet that's very dependent on these particular foods during their pregnancy and that in itself stimulates the expression of the gene that can promote type 2 diabetes and obesity and in some cases type 1 diabetes in children as well. So what we find is that women who get gestational diabetes, whether it's through lifestyle or whether it's through other, you know, expressions, they have children that have an increased risk in type 1 and type 2 diabetes, like Brett just told me before, um, and we know that. So that we know that there's a genetic coding and a genetic expression based on the fetal environment, the pre-labor environment of the mother and the baby. That's a shock to most people, isn't it? Like to think that childhood obesity actually starts in utero. Most people wouldn't yeah. have thought that. And, nah. um, you know, but we hear it over and over again, even back in, you know, when I was a young kid, you know, the people said, you're eating for two, go ahead, don't worry about it. Right? Yeah. And, you know, it takes a brave man to bring it out, Tamo. It takes a brave man to be telling the pregnant women out there not to be fulfilling those cravings because that's uh, that, that can be a dangerous thing sometimes. You have to duck when you make those suggestions. That is so true. And, uh, <laughs> so true. But, uh, but it is important information to be out there. Yeah. 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 The cravings, it's interesting to, to understand what a craving could be. And my understanding through naturopathy and what I've done with nutrition and lifestyle over the last 15, 16 years is that often the craving that you get, let's say, for example, it's for sugar or for chocolate, uh, often that's a calcium craving. So you're actually craving calcium. And and so I've always suggested to people that they go eat foods that are richer in calcium, have some nuts and seeds, have some broccoli, go and have some, you know, some kale and sprouted stuff you know get all those sorts of young living live foods into you to bump up your calcium levels don't go and suck on some cow's milk because that's not going to do the job like go get something that's real something that's still living gives you some life get that into you i've always encouraged people to do that and then when people crave sweet oh, sorry salty stuff savory stuff then that's a magnesium thing and often what we find um when people are craving especially women who are pregnant when they're craving this stuff their body's screaming out for some extra nutrition and so you can go get some foods that are rich in magnesium and there's a whole list of foods there's lots of plant foods but also all of the meats and all of the proteins the animal-based proteins are very rich in magnesium and uh they can be hugely beneficial in curbing those salty um savory Every type of cravings um, that many people have. So instead of going for the chips or the um, or the pretzels, um, you know, go and get yourself some steak or some fish or you know whatever else, some other high protein food that's going to satisfy that. Now, if you're vegan, you might want to make up some chickpeas into a hummus, or you might want to get some dal and crank that into you. That that would be fine. But if you're eating carnivorous forms of protein then get heaps of protein into you if you're craving the sweet stuff you've got to get the calcium up in your diet so you know brett might go down to the local river grab himself a salmon eat it while it's alive <laughs> you know then eat the bones as well it's a great way to get the calcium up in your body um for the listeners out there you might go get some broccoli you might go soak some nuts soak some almonds activate some of those nutrients in there you might even juice them up make yourself up some macadamia milk or some almond milk uh, in your thermomix or your um or your vitamix just crank that and drink that down that'll really load you up with lots of calcium and and really fix up that craving that you've got isn't it amazing though eh, brett I'm, I'm sure you agree with this too as well that we're so concentrating and this is an unfortunate part about supplementations that you know a lot of women think okay well i'm taking multivitamins so this should be okay you know they'll take the folic acid supplementations but but they don't think about their food as the being a supplement or nutrient to their baby yeah Yeah, absolutely and there's just such requirements aren't they i mean you, you really do need you know you don't need to eat the two but you need to make sure you've got the nutrients there for the two of you and that's that's really the important thing is is the food quality not the food quantity i think is what becomes even more important when you're pregnant and you and you are you know providing for two 
Um, so, yeah, it's really important to make sure you're getting those quality foods. And I think what Damien just said makes so much sense because you know it doesn't make sense to me that we, we could be craving foods that actually didn't exist. We you know we didn't evolve to require those foods. So why would we be naturally craving those during pregnancy? So I think what Damien said is exactly right. It's a it's a miscommunication, a misunderstanding of our part onto you know what our body is actually asking us for and we're thinking it's asking us for chocolate when maybe it's actually asking us for you know some magnesium or, or whatever it happens to be and yeah. so you know i think that the next step from that then obviously we've spoken about um you know before the baby's born but then of course once the baby's born what the baby's eating is going to be really important and and what we're seeing now is a lot more babies are um you know moving away from i guess um, the breast milk you know, there's, there's a lot more babies now having formula than there perhaps were previously um, yeah. and that has its own challenges you know that that's a different nutrient than what your body is designed for um, yeah. and you know we want to be clear here that we, you know we're really supportive of mums and mums feeding their babies you know the way that works for you and, and some mums you know there may be difficulties there breastfeeding you may not be able to breastfeed at all and, and we want to acknowledge that and acknowledge that you're doing the best you can uh, yep. But at the same time, we need to let you know what's best for the baby. And, you know, th- there is no doubt from the research that if you are able to breastfeed, then that is what is best for your baby. And that is giving your baby the nutrients that it needs. I mean, you know, what we know with, the, with babies is that, you know, human babies have bigger brains as a percentage of body than a cow does. I mean, that's, that's, that's right. just a fact. And so human babies need more fat than cows more do, fat. than Way cow's milk contains. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, even if you're doing that formula, then you can actually start to think about what ratios the baby's getting. You know, are you giving a, a ingredient to your baby, are you giving some food to your baby that's much higher in carbohydrates than, than perhaps what they're designed for, which is higher in fats, mm-hmm. um, and perhaps setting up a pattern that might stick with them for the rest of their life. So, you know, the, the breast milk really is the absolute best and, and just do everything possible you can to, to do that. And, you know, so that might, in, in, you know, might involve getting someone, a lactation consultant to help out. It might involve seeing a chiropractor to make sure that, you know, baby's sucking reflex and all those things are going well. But just do Next whatever journey. you can there. And yeah. then if you can't do that, then start having a look at what is the absolute best formula and what can I add into the formula. And I'm going to suggest definitely, you know, some omega-3 fats is a really important thing to add into that formula. To make sure that you're setting the the baby off on the right track. In the form of fish oil, not in the form of flaxseed oil and not in the form of chia seeds, you know, obviously. It's uh, it's in the form of fish. That's really important. And saturated fat, whack in some, you know, saturated fat, that's really important. Babies need saturated fat. Um, But go the goat milk formula um, first over the cow's milk formula if you can and preferably get organic uh, where you can too. So, you know, you're going to get better quality Better better farming methods, you know, and acquisition of the milk from the from the animal, and uh, you know, and, and then the other thing that I'd suggest, Bredo, on top of the omega threes, would be of course a probiotic. Um, you know, those the the strains of bacteria that would normally come or be existing on the skin of the mum as she's about to feed or as she's feeding the baby, those commensal bacteria that exist on the skin and around the nipple are the bacteria that actually provide a lot of the immune system for your baby as it's developing. So those bacteria are crucial. And in, in what's very, very important to understand is that the, the type of bacteria that are in your gut will directly signal your propensity to type 2 diabetes and your craving. So there's a little chemical called adiponectin and adiponectin actually gets stimulated um, in the gut and is controlled very, very closely by various types of bacteria. And there's a, um, there's a 
a, a, a chemical, and it's just escaped me, um, that actually is released by the wrong bacteria in the gut that actually triggers um, inflammation and therefore also cravings and um, increased propensity to type 2 diabetes. So that can be all controlled by the right bacteria, um, either one coming from your food or from the breast or, in this case, in through the bottle. So you get a, a super high-quality infant strain, infant, not an adult strain, infant strain probiotic. So we're talking about some of the causes of childhood obesity. One of the other additional causes as they as a child grows up is obviously the types of food that a child's eating, right? So Damien, you, you you know, we talked about sugar as being a, a massive problem, you know, especially yeah. in the moms ingesting it. But what about the kids? I mean, everything everything cuz you know, kids, let's face it, kids don't like to eat veggies. They don't like to eat, you know, the stuff that's good for them. And they're they're driven by their taste buds. But, but one of the problem but, is 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 that well the one of the problems is that when you start feeding a child with with sugars or sweet stuff because you want to eat, make them eat food is that it sets them up for you know that continual habit of food wanting to, yeah yeah but let's go Brett, on yeah, I know Brett you you would also hugely disagree with that comment in, in that kids do love to eat that sort of food they love it it's just that when they're given an alternative and that alternative tastes stronger. Yeah. And then they develop a, a a taste affinity for the stronger flavor, mm, and it's very absolutely. difficult to go to a bland flavor from something that's loaded up with sweetness or loaded up with salt. So, you know, it, and it, it it can be as simple as a piece of bread that actually can take a child away from the green leafy vegetables because that flavor is you know it's it's quite dominant. It's quite dominant, and, and it starts right from the start, doesn't it, Damo? Like I, I'd never even given like kids' first foods much thought until I actually had kids. Like to me, it just seemed like a no-brainer that the, that the first thing you'd give your kids would be real food and like fruits and veggies and those sort of things. Like I, I never even considered it. And it wasn't until we started going through that process that everyone was like, "Well, you've got to start with these rusks and you've got to start with this rice cereal and <laughs> basically just all of these white processed carbohydrates that." You know, people consider you weird if you don't start your kids eating this stuff, and mm. and you're just completely setting your kids up for failure. Like it's it's a completely high processed carbohydrate, sugary snack that that is setting your kids up to crave sweet, sugary, processed carbohydrates for literally the rest of their life. And mm. I was just astounded that this is considered the norm in terms of what you first feed your kids. So you know, really start thinking right from the start because I can tell you right now, if you do it, if you get it right right from the start, it makes your whole life a lot easier as you go forwards. And so, you know, for us, that meant that the first foods for bubs were, you know, some mashed up avocado. In fact, mashed up avocado with breast milk is a great way to start, right? That really um, just makes it such a simple, smooth transition for them. It's great Um, to see too, isn't it? I must admit, I haven't tried it, Damo. Each to their own, buddy. Just thought I'd try it in there, you know. Just see what you said. (laughs) But the mashed up avocado and the mashed up banana is like just such a simple no-brainer spot to start um, that sets your kids off on the right foot with real food, um, sets your kids' taste buds up to like and crave real food um, and just makes it so much easier to transition forward from there. I get I I cringe when when I see a kid come in, you know, or even walking around with a, a can of Coke or a can of oh, soft drink or chips. you know whatever, yeah, you know, bag of chips and stuff in their hand, and you know, parents are like, oh, the child's got to live, right? You know, it's got to be themselves. But the problem is, like, you you, I mean, let's face, ask the parents, right? How difficult is it, it is it for you to give up? you know, a bag of chips, you know, no chips for the rest of your life or, you know, no soft drink for the rest of your life. And it's tough for as an adult, let alone a child whose brain's already developed into this addiction. There's yeah. no way they're going to yeah. want to give that up because they're, you know, like I said, the taste of anything. Dan, were you going to yeah. say something? 
Yeah, I was. Um, and I can't remember. I was going to just say one thing, um, and I think this is also really important, is that, you know, we're talking about first foods and we're talking about, you know, the milk and all that sort of stuff, and we're talking about what the mum might eat and what she's eating while she's breastfeeding is also going to impl- influence this as well. So if you're getting heaps of sugar coming through your breast milk and you're getting all these chemicals coming from chocolate or whatever else you're eating or craving coming through your breast milk, that will influence your baby's decision-making and their palate. Um, but the the other thing that I think is is particularly important is the foods that the child sees in the environment. And Lawrence, I think you're probably a really good person to be able to comment on this from a mindset point of view. When a child continually sees repeated behavior by the parents, how do you think that's going to shape um, the, the child's thinking when it comes to food? Well, I mean, you, the, the thing is, is that we all want the best for our children. Like, you know, no matter what, the parent's instinct is to want them the best. But the problem is, is that you can tell your child not to do certain things, but if you continue to do the same thing over and over again, like, for example, you can tell your child not to smoke or drink, but yet you do it. It's like you can try to hide it, but really at the end of the day, your child sees right through you, right? And that you're just going to follow those same patterns. And those patterns are mimicked over and over again. If you look at a child and you say, you know, wow, like the child looks so much like you, you know, or they smile so much like you, or they behave, you can see that in them. It's because they've learned that behavior. You know, they learned how they smile. They learned how they choose things. And and this goes for um, a child's just a general behavior, whether they're, you know, they're either they get cranky or they get depressed or down on themselves. It's typically mimicked by the parent's behavior over years, right? It's just not, you know, not one time, but it's over years and how they treat others, how they, um, how they tackle dif- difficult situations in their lives. Do they lose it? Do they get angry? Well, if they mm-hmm. mimic that type of behavior, the, the behavior of what you eat is exactly the same thing. How you exercise is exactly the same thing. And yeah. that's the downfall. I mean, listen, let's face it, Damien. You, you know, I've been watching your show lately, Downsize Me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, downsize it's, it's, it's kind of come back. Come back Have or, you, you been know. watching it for the fashion tips? Yeah, the fashion tips. So, the styling tips, Damien. Let, let's give it to the tips. fans. For those people in Australia who um, who don't know this, Damien Christoph, um, back in the day, was uh, a famous, it is a famous star, and he was, uh, <laughs> did a show called uh, Downsize Me. And I don't know how long ago was it, uh, Damo, but you can Seems tell. Seems like decades Decade. but it's only about seven years which is almost a decade but can <laughs> i just say the that hairline, you wouldn't know dk you're still looking great man oh you still look uh, great yeah you just lost a bit of hair you guys you guys you say all the right <laughs> things you guys hey uh that show like the current season that's on at the moment which is season one um was filmed back in 2004 so like we're talking nearly nine years ago so wow. it's actually quite a long time ago what's important to understand is that this tv show has been replayed more than any other reality television show um, ever in New Zealand. That's so it's, it's on in New Zealand at the moment. It's now just made it to mainstream free-to-air television here in Australia on 7-2, Channel 7-2, um, on a Friday night. Um, and it's on in the States on pay TV, so you can watch it on pay TV. It's nice. on in the UK on the Lifestyle Channel. So it is a worldwide TV show, and it has been a phenomenon. And it's the only reason on. why it's on again is because you're on the Wellness Guys. You know that, right? Yeah, that's right. We're driving, <laughs> we're driving it, boys. We're driving it. Yeah, we're taking but credit, LT. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but you know, just as another source of, um, you know, what Bretto, what occurred to me is that way before paleo was trendy, I did, <laughs> I did, um, downsize me. And if yeah. you look at the food on that show, it is all paleo. The only thing, there's one episode where I actually brought in um, the now, uh, the, the, 
the, the recipe for forage, you know, forage cereal. So there's one TV, nice. there's one episode where I actually reveal a, a weight loss breakfast cereal, which is the forage cereal. So um, that's on there. But other than that, the whole 36 episodes are all how to eat paleo food, exercise, um, outside or with your own equipment at home without having to go and buy gym memberships and gym equipment. Um, the whole thing is all about a healthy, vital life and and it just happened to be that people lost weight. Funny that. It's, yeah, it's, it's awesome, isn't it? Well, but, that kind of moves us towards the solutions, doesn't it, Damo? Like, so, you know, we, we're now moving towards, well, we, we sort of define the problem now, talked about, you know, where perhaps we've gotten off track but now I guess we can move back towards, um, you know, what the solutions are and, and we were talking a little bit before about, um, you know, some of the things we're trying in terms of, you know, perhaps banning foods or banning advertising. And, you know, I just don't think that's working. I, I don't think that's actually teaching people better habits. You know, mm. all, I think all that's happening then is, you know, we're telling people they can't have stuff, which which often just makes them want it more. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, and at the end of the day, they're still seeing everyone around them eating it. They're still being exposed to it. They still, you know, have those tastes that they think, hey, that actually tastes really good. I like that taste. And, and they're judging it based on how they feel when they eat it. And, um, but, but what we're not doing is teaching them how to do it better and teaching them why to do it better. And I think that's really important. Things. Um, I think that when a pure example of this is the advertising is obviously working. Right? It's, it's my, my daughter, four-year-old Kaya, who's never been to a McDonald's, who's never eaten McDonald's in her entire life. She, we don't even talk about it. I yeah. can't believe you just mentioned it on this show. I feel like the show is poisoned. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I used the bad word. We'll, we'll beep it out. But I mean, it's funny. Like, you know, we're driving around. She goes, oh, there's, you know, that's that old McDonald's place. I'm like, how do you know that? It's, it's, yeah. um, it's obviously filtering somewhere. And it's amazing that, you know, obviously we can try to ban it all we want. It's going to filter into our kids. And yeah. I think the only way to really create that change is actually changing people's behaviors as a community. Like yeah. we, as the, as the, as the, from the grassroots level, we as a community need to stop, stand, stand our ground and say, start with your own family first, right? Yeah. You know, then start allowing your friends and family to experience what that feels like. And then that's going to way to start. Yes, it's going to take a long time, but it's, I believe is the only way we can't let government tell us sort of how we do it because they're, they got most of the time they get it wrong and they're 20, 30 years behind anyways. And yeah, you know, when it does come through, you can use that as an opportunity to educate, you know, to inform your kids, to have conversations about it where you can talk about, you know, the pros and cons and this is what happens when you eat this stuff and this is how you might feel afterwards and, you know, this is how it might affect you in terms of the stuff you love doing and, you know, you can have those conversations with your family and your kids um, and that's what it's all about. It's about that information. It's about that education that really sets them up to show them how eating healthy helps them get what they want out of life and that's really the key, I reckon. Yeah. What about options here? I mean, one of the things is I see, you know, parents sort of, I guess, quote unquote excuses is that, you know, well, you know, they're all doing it. It's okay. It's only once a week or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, when you make it okay, then it's okay for them to go and do it. And I think it's important that there's certain things that we just need to say, no, not ever. Like you wouldn't let your child go do drugs. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a not no brainer situation. Well, those yep. are the situations where there's certain foods in certain places that it should be just a no brainer. It's not even an option. So you like know? a spartame or something. Yeah, exactly. It shouldn't just be like you know. Okay, we'll have it as a treat. No, it's not an option. Have a better treat, better solution. And I think that's one of the ways we need to, to kind of th- rethink our the way we sort of take care of our kids and what options they can have as a treat if we're going to give them a treat. Oh, look, you know, I've got a slightly different angle from that, um, LT, and it's more that, and I suppose it's because 
Jackson's been exposed to a whole lot of foods, which your kids haven't been exposed to yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack's now 12. He's been to lots of parties. He's got he's got other parenting that and other, you know, look, put it this way, um, Jackson's mum's or Jackson's grandmother said to me one day, I think it's unfair that you don't let Jackson have lollies. He's a child. He needs to have lollies. Right? I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I just, I think that's when I started to lose hair. But I, um, <laughs> like, for me, that was full on. But so now what I do is I say to Jack, look, mate, it's, it's really important that you understand what this food's going to do to you. Um, yeah. It's going to, you know, it'll taste good initially, but you're going to have a crash. You're not going to think really well. Um, it may affect your skin because you're starting to go through changes now. He's going to get some skin changes. Yeah. And so we've kind of got to, have those discussions with him, but I don't want to outlaw it. I definitely say to him, never, ever eat a Spartame or Nutrisweet. Stay away from products like Natvia. Stay away from things like Splenda. Stay away from those sorts of things. I say get away from all that sort of stuff. If you're going to have anything that's sweet, make sure it's sugar. But understand that sugar has a bad effect on your body. Oh, I agree with you, Damien. I agree with you 100%. Oh, and good. What okay. I'm, one of the things what I'm saying is that, especially on a child that you know has no option, like they... They don't go out and choose to have whatever food. They're going to follow what you're going to go and do, especially I'm talking about younger kids, You're saying obviously. change the lead. Change yeah. the lead. Yeah, so I what you're saying is that when you have the influence still, like obviously Jackson being 12 years old, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to um, to create that change. But like Kaya being four, she's not going to go out and walk around and go, hmm, what am I going to have today? You know what I mean? <laughs> like she's going to go and, you know, wherever we're going to go. So what I'm saying is that. dad's credit card just yet. Yeah, that's right. But when you have the control, might as well control just remember the number in already. that sense. <laughs> she's pretty smart with numbers. But that's what I'm saying. It's just that when you can control it, which is when they're younger, obviously with Brett and our kids are a little bit younger, we, we should do that. I believe anyways, in my opinion. I'm not saying that my kids don't have lollies, but they can. But we explain it. You know, we do explain to them what is the situation. They do understand it. You know, kids yeah. will. It's about allowing the kids to make choices for themselves right but there are certain things that i like you said aspartame and stuff should not be an option at all you know so all right brett let's talk a little bit about uh technology how's the influence of technology and how do we go about doing that obviously technology has made a massive impact on i believe anyways an impact on childhood obesity how what are some of the solutions around that yeah, well, it's just, it's the, literally, it's the amount of time we're spending sitting down, isn't it? I mean, we just don't move like we used to. So, um, you know, with the advent of technology and television and DVD players and Game Boys and iPhones and, you know, all of this technology is just stopping our kids from moving like they should. So, you know, it's literally about just having active play with your kids. And once again, it's definitely a lead by example thing. It's about getting your kids out there with you, being active climbing trees, running around, like, you know, and, and just remember that you can bring your kids along to stuff. Like we do a fitness class every Tuesday. My kids come along. They actually join in. It's quite hilarious watching my kids try and do push-ups and lunges and burpees <laughs> and it's actually priceless watching a two-year-old try and do it. It's classic. But they love it. Like they join in. They have fun. They're watching their mum and dad work out. They're, they're learning by example and they just think it's great fun. So, yeah. so just get outside with your kids and play, basically. Yeah, I was in the gym the other day, and Kai, you know, came along, and she was, you know, she was doing the work with me. She was getting, I was yeah. doing a kettlebell swing, and she grabbed a little pink kettlebell, which is like, I don't know, it's like two kilos. And or I something. have a killer technique. Like, yeah. They do it all right. It's so cool. Yeah, it's amazing, amazing. <laughs> um, before we leave off, uh, I've got one last tip from Damon because I, I want people to understand this concept because I think it's fantastic. He talks about this keeping the house safe. What do you mean by that, Damon? 
Well, boys, look, put your hands up if you – don't put your hand up if you're driving right now. But put your <laughs> hand up if when you're driving you put a seatbelt on and you make sure the kids are buckled in. Do you turn the electric blanket off at night time before the kids go to bed? Do you lock the door? Do you uh, make sure that the kids don't put things in the PowerPoint? Um, I'm sure you don't fill the bath up too much and leave the bath water in there so that your kids can drown. I, I know that you actually make your house safe. And when I say make your house safe, I'm saying across the board, take all the foods in your house that are dangerous, the foods that just shouldn't be in the house, get them out. Just chuck them out. Yeah, I know you've already spent 100 bucks or 200 bucks on this food, but just chuck it out. And then if you've got to go and eat some crappy food, then head out for a bit of a family walk. Make sure you walk to the joint to go get your food and buy that little snack thing, but don't call it a treat. Don't actually call it something special. Just say, hey, why don't we go get some ice cream? Or, hey, why don't we go get a lolly? Rather than actually saying, oh, let's go do a treat. Let's go have something special and build up this huge big story around this particular food which has no nutritional benefit, no long-lasting um, love, affinity or points gathering for the parent anyway. Like it doesn't, doesn't make love you a better that, parent to give your kids sweet treats. Um, all it does is just sets up emotional eating behavior. So make your house safe. Take all the crappy food out of the house. Put it, only good stuff in there. When children say they're hungry, give them some fruit. If your children haven't got nut allergies, then give them some nuts. Like Give them stuff that's actually going to give them uh, some life, some, vibrous, some vibrancy, some kind of vitality, rather than actually uh, pretending that you're doing a good job by feeding them something that's in a packet. So again, guys, it all begins with you. You have the choice, and uh, I think it's going to be you. Comes down to you guys as the fans to really create a change and create a movement to beat childhood obesity. I mean, it's sad to see. I really feel sad every time I walk by a child who's like eight or nine years old who is obese. It's just, just it saddens me because not because they're obese now. It's that I know that what kind of life they're going to be heading towards when they grow up into an adult. Um, and then their children is going to be exactly the same if, not, if nothing changes. So we are the people we're going to have to change and uh, spread the word. And uh, please tell people to listen to this episode. Um, join, tell them to go to thewellnessguys.com. That's probably the best place to listen to the episode. And also join the wellnesscouch.com team as we bring in more episodes, more shows that are going to help you change your life. And make sure you join us on the Wellness Summits because that is going to be the day we can see us live for the first time and uh, join w with all the other speakers from the Wellness Couch too as well. And join us on Facebook and uh, tell us what you think about this episode and tell us how you feel about childhood obesity as well. So until next week, begin creating wellness into your lives, lead by example, and let's change the world's health together. Join us next week on The Wellness Guy Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives.